What's up party people? It is a damn good day to have a damn good day. Just the other day I was looking into how many credit card points I have accumulated and was blown away to see how just using a piece of plastic instead of cash could have so many benefits. I thought why doesn't everyone use credit cards? But then I remembered on the flip side I also know several people that have had credit cards turn against them due to a lack of fundamental knowledge and how they work. Although I would consider myself as somebody that has a pretty decent understanding of credit cards in general after I spoke with today's guest I realized that was not the case so wanting to learn more about this whole credit world this led me to search the internet to find someone who could educate myself and our audience on how credit works I did not expect to meet someone who not only is a credit expert and travel hacker but someone who quickly became a really great friend let me tell you a little bit about today's guest Jan Stavisky when Jan was just 21 years old he actually started five businesses at once with no income or job at the time he went absolutely full send. He was leveraging credit, which he believed was the right move at the time. Fast forward some time later and he is $82,000 in debt and paying $4,000 a month on just the interest on that debt. This led Jan to the grim reality that he had to make a new plan ASAP. This experience led him to learning credit repair as he worked to repair a 490 credit score. Fast forward to today, Jan has learned the art of travel hacking, where he teaches people how to travel hack anywhere around the world. You literally see him in a different country every couple of days straight living the dream and teaching others how to do the same today Jan lives in paradise with four other entrepreneurs who all push each other to be better and achieve more I recorded this podcast live in Jan's house and highly recommend you watch the YouTube version of this podcast as well in this episode we discuss how to travel hack so you can travel anywhere in the world for next to nothing how to navigate debt and get rid of it once and for all how to deal with collection companies calling and harassing you and how to leverage the bank's money to finance new investments. As always, you can watch this podcast with Jan and I live on YouTube. And without further ado, episode 75 with Jan Stavisky. Let's jump into it. We're live. Jan, you're back, man. How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me on the show. Dude, I can't track you. You're travel, you travel the world more than pretty much anyone I even follow on Instagram. I think you were just in Brazil. I had to get a good start to 2020, man. I want, I want the decade to be full of, full of travel, good experiences, and of course, uh, financial freedom. Um, but yeah, you're right. So Brazil was first. Then uh, uh, it was like second week was in New York. And then after I went to a ski trip in Switzerland for two days and then Austria for three days. And then I went to, uh, to Russia for about a week and a half. And now I'm finally back uh, in U.S., ready to make moves. And your whole gig, you're always talking about these travel hacks. So you're kind of practicing what you preach when you're out there doing whatever you're doing. I don't know how you're in all these badass lounges and just living this absolute dream lifestyle. When people see it, they're like, yo, God, damn, I want to figure out what he's doing. Yeah. And you're teaching people how you do what you do. Yeah, well, you, if uh, you know, if you guys are watching the video, um, I have about 50 credit cards right here on the table, and that's really how I got started uh, learning this credit game. Uh, how to get a bunch of points, free flights, all these lounges that you see on my story, and I make a lot of content, particularly because I teach this stuff to hundreds of my students. Right, so that's what I practice what I preach. I always tell, I always tell everybody, don't don't go learning from somebody. Uh, that's not doing what they're teaching. That's why school is the biggest joke ever. I got two degrees that I paid 60,000 bucks for uh, in Berkeley, and 
uh, what other school did I go to? San Francisco State. Yeah. I got two degrees. I got a finance and a marketing degree. Uh, the biggest waste of time ever. You know, how could you be learning from somebody that doesn't do what they're teaching you? Mm. Yeah, it's definitely an outdated system. I think everyone would agree with you on that. Yeah. But before you jumped into this whole thing, you must have had some sort of entrepreneurial pull. Like, what were you doing when you're like 14, 15? Dude, I had my first little business when I was 10 years old. Um, I actually just, uh, just for everybody to know, I'm, uh, from Russia originally. I was born there. came here when I was about seven years old, uh, with my mom and, uh, she got remarried over here. I have, uh, I have family over here too now in SoCal. And, uh, the first thing I did without anybody ever helping me, I guess I had this like entrepreneur spirit is I started a car wash, uh, when I was 10 years old in my neighborhood. I picked up a bunch of, uh, a bunch of utensils. I had this electric scooter with a wagon. That I, that I put all my stuff into. Um, and then I would wash cars, wash cars for 20 bucks, 20 bucks. So you started this business. You've always had that entrepreneurial pull. And overall, you, you're interested in it. I think when it gets back to the school topic, a big issue about the school topic is what we're learning is basically a preset thing that we have to choose. We have to choose a degree because we think it's going to help us, but we don't actually choose a skill that we like. For me, I love fish, man. I'm all about aquariums and scuba diving. It's been a yeah. passion of mine. And I can just naturally go on, you know, online and learn everything there is to learn about it because I'm interested in it. I like it. I yeah. enjoy it. When you find a passion, you can just go down the YouTube wormhole and learn everything there is about it. You seem to have done this with your business today. Was this your first breakthrough kind of as an entrepreneur um, in terms of really getting to that point of financial freedom? Or did you do anything beforehand that you kind of flirted with? Last five years, uh, this first has gotten me in the biggest, uh, shithole you could ever imagine. So at 22 years old, I was in 82,000 bucks with a credit card debt. Uh, it was the worst time in my life. It, it was so bad. Um, I came out of, I came out of college with two degrees, uh, thinking, you know, maybe I'll get a job. Maybe, you know, I'll get some sort of income, but, uh, I was set on the idea that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, never work for anybody else. So I decided to go on YouTube, on Instagram, and try to learn all these businesses that everybody um, shows to have an amazing, uh, amazing success with, like drop shipping, Amazon, uh, real estate wholesaling. And I always had this issue where I thought I was I was super smart, better than everybody else, and, and that really uh, that really held me back because when I saw these people having success, I'm like, you know, I'm smart enough to do it by myself. So let me just, you know, go at these businesses, uh, you know, try try myself. I'm not going to learn from anybody. I'm, maybe I'll buy one course or something, but, you know, I'm just going to do it myself. Go at it, right? Um, before, before I did this, uh, I already had a lot of credit cards, a lot of available credit, particularly because at 18, I already got into this uh, uh, travel hacking game, getting credit cards, getting points, sign-up bonuses, figuring out how the reward system works. So... I understood that part, the travel hacking part, but um, I didn't understand how credit works. I understand how underwriting works, how banks can start screwing you over if you're not making payments on time, uh, you know, how bad it can really ruin your credit. Mm. So I started all these businesses without having a job, without having an income to test with. I just had about a hundred. You just went full send. Yeah, dude. I was like, I didn't have anybody to tell me otherwise. Yeah. You know, my parents were telling me to go to school. Go, I, I was doing nursing at first, you know, 
they didn't, they, nobody realized around me that I was starting all these businesses at such a young age. I should be going into entrepreneurship and learning from people, going to events, you know, going uh, and finding a mentor. But instead, I went to school and nobody, <laughs> nobody told me otherwise. You know? Right. Uh, they just thought it would be a good safety net. Mm. So at this point, I know I wasted four years and a bunch of money. Uh, but uh, so at, at 21 years old, I'm like, dude, I really want to start my own business. And I have this credit, so I have money to use. You know, should be fine. I haven't seen any bad situations come out of it from the people around me. Uh, they were actually just hiding it. I, didn't, I just didn't see it. Uh, so I, I, did, uh, I did pretty much whatever, whatever business I saw on Instagram and YouTube that was like flashy. So drop shipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did Amazon. Um, I did real estate wholesaling. Uh, and I did Ty Lopez's SMMA, Social Media Marketing Agency. And I did so, so, something else, man. I had a fitness company. Fitness company was, uh, was by far my most successful one uh, because I love fitness. That was, that was like, if you watch my content every day, I'm in the gym every single day. And I've been doing that for, since I was like 16 years old. Uh, that's the only thing that brought any money because there was no overhead. There was nothing I needed to use credit for. But all these other things like hiring employees, uh, testing with ads, uh, like li- even literally spending a bunch of money on gas, driving around looking for real estate deals without knowing what I'm looking for. Um, eventually put me in 82,000 bucks worth of credit card debt after about, after about eight months to a year. So you're doing so many different things, but you're not truly focusing on one thing. My idea was that if I throw so much shit at the wall, something's going to stick, which is not a bad idea. In this case it was because I can't focus on any single business, uh, to make it good in any, you know, in, in any measure. Right. So I did all these things. Uh, I'm wasting all this money. I'm thinking something's going to stick, but I'm not putting any energy. I can't put any energy, uh, 100% of it towards any of these businesses to, you know, see any success. And when I got into all this debt, I, I, you know, I, I was ignoring it for a while. I was traveling. I was still doing the free traveling because, you know, I don't, I'm not spending money on it. I'm spending money just on food whenever I travel. So I'm traveling, having a great time. I'm, you know, it seems to me like I have all these businesses going on. Something's going to hit. Uh, I'm on Instagram showing off that I'm like traveling all over the world. I'm telling everybody I have all these companies. Uh, and then finally, finally it hit pretty hard. Um, when I came back and my mailbox was just stuffed to the top with a bunch of red envelopes. And I'm like, all right, I've been ignoring the situation. Oh no, red envelopes, man. It's bad. And so I just sat down in my office. This was in San Francisco. Uh, so you can imagine how expensive everything was at the right. time. I had, I had like, I literally was hustling about 80 hours a week when I was back home, uh, doing the, doing the fitness stuff. Uh, and then I was doing like taste tests and like focus groups just to pull in a couple hundred bucks a week. And I was pulling in like 3,800 bucks a month, maybe. And I had rent and I had all these expenses. I bought a BMW. <laughs> like I was like, I was like, oh, cool. My credit's cool. I bought a BMW. So I had that expense. I was just not thinking I, I, I didn't uh, have any understanding of how credit worked, how dangerous it could be if you don't know how to use it. Um, so I sat down on my, on my uh, desk and I pulled out all these, uh, all these red envelopes. So I opened them up and dude, it was like, yeah, I'm just like every, D-Day hits. <laughs> dude, every time I think back to that day, that was that was my rock bottom. Because once it hit, I literally realized how bad the situation was. 
because I'm pulling in 3,800 bucks a month, but I have 82,000 bucks worth of credit card debt that's at 26% interest now. So I'm paying about 4,000 bucks a month in interest to the banks just to keep my debt in the same exact place. And I got my house expense, I got my food expense, I have my car expense, and I'm trying to start all these businesses. But I'm realizing like it's been six months, it's been a year, none of these businesses are producing any money. And I'm spending all this time and money uh, just to pull in 3,800 bucks a month just to keep my debt in the same exact place. And then that, that brought me to the realization like, like, yeah, I'm, at this point I will never get out of it. Like, some, like something's gotta change. And uh, I, I say this every time I do a, I do a podcast, because it's, it's, for, for most people, they got to go through something really bad to make a change. Mm-hmm. And for me, this was so bad that I, did, I was contemplating going back to Russia, where I was born. I still got family there. I got, you know, this is kind of my safety yeah, your, net. Your safety net. Yeah, because here in the in U.S., now, I, now I'm thinking, my, I've, I've screwed up so bad that there's no way out. And my, my gut just sunk because I didn't, I didn't even see a possibility of getting out of the situation because the debt grows, the interest grows, it's just compounding. Uh, the next week when I'm coming back, I went on, like I sat down, I saw all these envelopes, I went on a trip. I'm like, I'm like I can't deal with this. <laughs> I can't deal with this. And then I came back and it, it was even worse. Uh, I was now getting sued by, by three banks. I was in collections. Check my credit scores at 490, 490 credit score. And I'm like, dude, this is bad. Uh, but luckily, uh, luckily something shifted in my mind. I, I, I think I went into like a fight or flight uh, type of mode. I, li- I literally thought I was like, I was about to lose my house. Yeah, so you're, I mean, you're at rock bottom. You're scared. You're like, what's going on right now? This is awful you're looking at at it right in the eyes you're like how you're buried how am i going to get out of this what what happens at that point are you how long does that panic go for and at what point do you start to turn it around i had a day where i was literally just sitting uh sitting in my car i I couldn't think i couldn't even think i was just sitting there and i was just kind of um i think what was happening is i got into a fight or flight type of situation and in my mind I was taking accountability for what what I've done and kind of processing what led me to where I am uh, at that particular point um I was I was literally hopeless so just like sitting I didn't drink any water I didn't eat it I didn't eat anything I literally sat without sound in my car just like I don't think I even blinked (laughs) that day it was it was bad and Something kind of shifted in my mind at, at the end of that day where, you know, I've now taken accountability for how I got myself into that situation, you know, thinking everything's good, ignoring all these problems, uh, realizing that, you know, throwing all, all this shit at the wall, thinking it's going to stick is not the right move to do. Um, and thinking I'm going to be a successful entrepreneur without learning from anybody or, or you know, having any skills and that these two degrees that I have are completely worthless. Realizing all these things and taking accountability for the situation that I got into uh, made me realize I have to do three things. Like it was, it was f- for some reason, it was so clear to me at the end of that day. What, what were those three things? 
uh, those three things were, uh, one, I need to drop everything I'm doing with those businesses. It ain't going anywhere. Okay. Uh, two, I need to get myself a job and a job that gives me a skill and that brings income that doesn't, uh, that's not coming from a company that depends solely on me. It needs to be me working for a company so that I can learn how a company works so that I can build a skill and that's so I can get income to start whatever business I want in the future. Uh, luck, like I'm so thankful that I got into that particular situation. It's a blessing in disguise now mm-hmm. because I realized I need to get a skill, uh, which is sales. I was listening to some podcasts. It might have been Grant Cardone. And he's like, like you need sales. No matter what you do, you need sales. And is I'm, that the dude that resonates you with the most in terms of all the salespeople out there? Grant Cardone? Yeah. 100%. 100%. He's my, he's like, he's probably one of my, my favorite idols for sure. He's my favorite podcast. His event, 10X, like made the biggest difference for me. Like all the business partners I work with right now were from that one event. I've gone to hundreds of events. That one event made the difference. Everybody in this house, like all the entrepreneurs, they're, they're from 10X. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And just for everyone that understands, we currently are in this absolutely gorgeous house out in Arcadia, California. And it's just like, let's get the dream, right? I mean, you're in mid twenties living with the homies. This place is a straight castle and it's a grind house, a mastermind house where all these guys work together. They have several employees that work with them here and everyone collaborates and works together. And that's you know, something that I know I'm going to be doing in the future, but it's really cool that that's an option that you can surround yourself with like-minded people that you met through this conference. And that's just another reason why you need to invest in yourself and go to conferences because that almost all, you never hear somebody say, I'm so angry. I went to that conference. It's so rare, you know, something good's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so that third thing that, you know, the reason that I'm in this house 10,000 square, like, I don't, I never, like, really talk, like, hey, I'm, I got these cars, I got this house, but just so everybody gets a good idea, maybe that, that doesn't see the video, um, three years ago, I was in, like, a 1,000 square foot house living with six people in, in a two-bedroom hut, basically, not, like, they were all losers, like, this, my environment was complete trash, it was just going not in the right direction, it was going negative, if anything, and now we're sitting in this uh, 10,000 square foot house, that's got more rooms than I can count. L- literally, we had to call each other when we when we moved in because we couldn't find each other with a with a driveway enough for twenty cars. And at twenty five years old, I would have never imagined I'd be I'd be here. Neither neither did they, by the way. I know that for a fact. It just became it just became a reality when you know we got together. Uh, our goals are in line with with each other's, making big moves like like we never take a day off. These guys are in the office hustling. All day, man. They yeah. don't take a day off. Um, so that that third thing was environment, man. I stopped talking to everybody. I didn't talk to anybody. And I knew I had to uh, get around people that are going to be, uh, you know, further ahead of me or that are going to be a positive influence on me. But I, I knew I couldn't get around that because there's no value that I could bring. And I was in such a si- shitty situation that nobody would want to be around me anyways that was already in a better position. Mm. Like, why would you want to bring somebody in that's going to be a negative yeah. influence, right? Or that's not going to bring any value. So uh, I, didn't, I just didn't talk to anybody for, for months just so I can better myself, build a skill, uh, gain some value that I can bring to other people. And then I started going to just literally to any, any possible event that I could just so I can get an environment where people are ahead of me, 
you know, doing, doing positive things. Uh, two things I did was uh, something called BNI. It's like a, it's like a business networking event. Uh, happens in every city. There's a bunch of chapters. You can go for free. It's like basically a bunch of uh, mom and pops entrepreneurs. Some, some even have big businesses. And anywhere you are in the world, you can go there, uh, visit for free. And then what I also did is I went on meetup.com and I went to pretty much every, every entrepreneur meetup, every like event. Like I went, to, I went to two events every single week for six months. So after that day, where that, that rock bottom day, where uh, you know it was it was just I took accountability, I sat there without blinking for for the entire day, just realized where I'm at, uh, and then where how shitty the situation was. Either you know I leave the country, I leave, you know everything I fucked up here, and and then I just you know do something in Russia, uh, or I stay here and I and I fight it out, and I you know I see what what I can make out of this. So six months from that day, the only things I did was. Uh, and by the way, I got, I got a sales job and I didn't just go and apply and I got the sales job. I applied to 150 different places. Not a single one responded. Not a single one even responded. Even though they saw I got two degrees, one from Berkeley, one from San Francisco State, one, for, one is for finance and one is for marketing. Dude, nobody even replied. I spent hours on my resume. It was stupid. Uh, but the people that did hire me uh, was because I went to a meetup in response to an email I got that particular day. And I showed up in my gym outfit. <laughs> Everybody was in their suit. I didn't know anything about the company. I didn't know it was a hiring event. I only found out when I walked in, shook everybody's hand, and they're like, hey, can you just wait outside? This is a, this is a hiring event. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But me not knowing it was a hiring event and just having positive energy, uh, just like I, I was so set on getting out of my situation I was, I, was, I was like, I was going to every single event. I'm, I'm going to meet every single person here. I'm going to make the best out of it. I'm going to bring the most value. So I sat outside, and it turns out these guys are, uh, that are waiting outside are also partners and founders of the company. They told me a little bit about the company. They, they thought it was kind of weird because I like, showed up in a gym outfit and everybody's in a suit. Uh, but it turns out my social media marketing agency was targeted uh, at at uh, crypto companies, crypto startups. And this company was a cryptocurrency exchange. And I only found out once they told me. <laughs> and they had a task uh, for me to find five companies that they should work with, uh, specifically um, for companies that are like um, about to go public and they need to sell their tokens, cryptocurrency tokens on the exchange. I already knew all these companies because my social media marketing agency, I just, you know, I had to learn about all these companies if I wanted to get them as clients. So I, present, I, like, I, was so, I was so ready to uh, fulfill this task. So I just walked up and, and then um, knowing these guys are actually Russian, they all came from Moscow, the company's uh, Moscow based. And I speak uh, fluent Russian. So I, I, still, you know, I still keep up with the language. I did the, half the presentation in Russian and, and then the guy's like, and keep in mind, this was a three-day hiring event. There were like 150 people applied. Are you doing this presentation outside on the steps right now? Or is this after they gave you the task a few days later? This was 10 minutes after I walked in, disturbed everybody. And then they're like, can you just wait outside? We have another session like right after. <laughs> That's you great. That's yeah. a great story. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's like, when can you start? I'm like, I didn't want to seem desperate. So I'm like, All right, I got to take care of my companies. I'm going to, you know, 
give it off to somebody else. Yeah, let me check. Uh, a week? <laughs> <laughs> I said I said I'm good to go by tomorrow evening. And uh, when I talked to the people in the in the room, they're like, we th- we thought you were like, we thought you were like the CEO that came in. That's you know? what's up, man. Yeah. You walked in there with poise. Yeah. You walked in there with a good attitude. And it's it's like the rule. People that are successful, they're willing to help you and guide you and coach you. And they saw your energy and excitement. Some people rock that. Some people don't wear suits, too. Some people just rock gym clothes all day. So you don't really know exactly what someone is just by their wearing. 100%. Yeah. And usually nowadays, like if somebody was wearing a suit, you know, they're like maybe... Probably trying, trying a little bit more than uh, than what they really are. True, that's interesting. I wear I wear the sweatshirt and pants like every day. I rock these yeah. Adidas in this shirt every day. It's amazing. It's, yeah, it's, it's comfortable, you know. We well, how to stay comfortable, and yeah. and then so you work for this company, you make some cash flow, um, you make some good connections, you learn some skills, you you pay off the debt while working at the company. So here's what happened six months in. So I got this, uh, you know, I got this job. Uh, I started just crushing sales. Uh, it was, it, by the way, it wasn't good like the first two months um, until I really understood how sales worked, uh, understood what the problem is, what the client, who the clients are. Uh, so I started killing it about three months in, and I was doing about fifteen thousand bucks a month uh, at the sales company. Uh, not only was I building an income, uh, more, more importantly, I was getting a skill, which is sales, right? And the other things I did, uh, I realized, like, look, man, these banks are screwing me so bad. I'm in collections. I'm like, I'm, my credit is completely shot. Uh, I started learning credit repair every single day, four hours a day. I would go hustle at work, probably about 10 to 10 to 12 hours a day. Uh, and I was half the time working at home, so it was easier. I didn't have to commute anywhere. Um, so I came back, and I would spend four hours learning credit. How do I fix my credit score? How do I get out of these collections, all this debt? And then, um, and then uh, that's, that's really all, all I did. I didn't talk to anybody else. And then, you know, I went to events and stuff like that. I got my environment uh, on point. Um, and, you know, this, this job actually did that for me because all my clients were CEOs and, and people that were uh, starting companies. So this was the perfect, this was like the perfect job for me to get income. So I can pay that down some of my debt, maybe use it to start a business and um, um, get that sales skill and get that environment straight. It did, it did all those three things for me. And then so the next thing I did was, you know, uh, learn credit for six months. So let's fast forward six months. What, what happened right there? Uh, in the beginning, I was at 82,000 bucks worth of credit card debt, 490 credit score. I was getting sued. I, it, was, it was so bad. Uh, luckily I did not pay down, uh, any of the debt until I got a decent understanding of how credit and how credit repair worked. And so the result of that at the end of the six months, uh, I actually paid off probably about maybe close to 40% of the debt that I had. Everything else was in collections. And then what I learned is that when you have an account in collections, you should not pay it off. Uh, unless this account will be completely removed. And it's a little bit of a process, not something like I can explain just like this, how you do it. Uh, but the only reason you should pay it off is if the collection company or the bank is going to completely remove the account or the negative remarks of that account. The other thing is collection companies, before they collect a the debt, they have to validate it. And generally, the banks are not going to give them validating information like the original signature that you signed, 
or the original uh, furnished documents that you gave to the bank to get that credit or to get that loan. So that's why they harass call you uh, every single day because all they need from you to validate the debt is, uh, is for you to say, hey, yes, this is my name. Oh, yes, this is my debt. Oh, you know, I can't pay it right now. Oh, yeah, I can start paying a dollar and get on a payment plan. All they need is a dollar from you. And they can validate the debt. So you could say all these other things. You could say yes, yes, yes. But until you actually transition one dollar to them, it's you're good. Or if you say, "Hey, this is my name." Yes, this is my debt. So it's kind of like an affid. It's like kind of like someone serving you a subpoena. It's like if you agree, yep, you're down. Yeah. And that's by law. That's legally they have that power. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they 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 can't collect until they validate it, right? They, but that's what, you know, people, people don't know. They just scare people into thinking something's bad is going to happen. Hey, I'm going to sue you. People, oh, I'm going to get sued. They're just a debt collector trying to get profit. They buy the debt for about 10% of the cost. And for them to go sue somebody, maybe it'll you know, cost another 5%. But they'll still be in profit because the majority of people are going to get scared. They're going to go and just pay them off with whatever money they got. Right? But those things, uh, you know, you, you just have to understand these people are just trying to make a profit. And there are ways around it because they need to validate this debt. They need to follow the rules. And until they do so, there's, there's no reason for you to pay. Uh, so, so again, just to, just to recap, the only reason you should pay a collector is if they send you a letter in writing that they will remove the entire account or the negative remarks um, on your score <coughs> surrounding that account. So th that's like them saying... Hey, Jan, if you pay us the full amount, we will remove all of the negative amounts, basically meaning we're going to make this all go away, cleaning the record. Yeah, but you, but you don't pay the full amount. So, there right. is, so, there's like, so that's part one, though. Yeah, that's part one. That's part one. What I, what I ended up doing is I, uh, a lot of the accounts, uh, so, so one part is you, know, you pay, you make a payment, and they agree to remove the negative remarks. The other way, if it's uh, you know fairly small amount, a couple thousand bucks maybe, um, you you could probably just invalidate the entire account and get it completely wiped off your credit. What's up, party people? This is a quick Len Jones break to announce the winner of this week's $50 gift certificate. Congratulations to Justin Marks for being our winner. Please shoot me a direct message to collect your prize. Each podcast episode, we will be giving out $50 to a random listener who shares this podcast episode on their Instagram story. Remember to tag me on Instagram at Len Jones so I can reshare your posts and celebrate you on my timeline. Now, let's jump back into this podcast with Jan. How do you go about that process? Uh, so again, like they have to validate that this is your debt. So a lot of the times, <coughs> the reason they, they do phone calls is because they don't want to give you a paper trail uh, to go and see if there's any errors on the account. Maybe there's a birthday error. Maybe there's like a time of the account was opened error. Uh, all those things invalidate that. It could be somebody else that used your information or it could be, it could be a different account, right? If there's a one letter misspelled on their collection record, that completely, completely invalidates the debt. So you could just say, no, this isn't that person, and you're straight? Uh, yeah, you, but you, you would send official uh, letters so that you have a paper trail, right? That's why, uh, that's why it's very important when they call you. You say, hey, uh, like this exact script, hey, I'm at work trying to make money. Do not contact me. Any contact uh, should be done in writing. Do not contact this phone or me by phone. I'm trying to make money at work. 
any communication should be done in writing. This way you have a paper trail that you can now validate is all their information correct? Is there any information I can use to invalidate this debt? Right? Mm. And then when you do find something, <coughs> maybe they just maybe they literally just can't find the original uh, furnished documents that you used to get that credit. Or maybe it's been over four years where this is a statute of limitations. Would you give them your address so that they yeah. can send it to you? That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can say, hey, you know, you have this record on me. I'm not saying this is my debt, but I need, I need you to validate this. I need you to send me the validating documents. But you would say that your name, you would still say your name. Yeah, you can say, hey, yeah, this is me. Uh, it looks like you have a record uh, of some sort of debt under my name. So I need you to validate this information. But Got it. Uh, until you do validate, do not send me phone calls. Any communication should be done in writing. Interesting. Okay, cool. So then right there, it opens them up for a lot of possibilities to check the paperwork. If there's one little infraction, it could get pushed away, sort of like a parking ticket or a traffic yeah. ticket. I mean, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of stuff you can learn with credit repair uh, that you can do yourself, not pay other companies because I wasted a lot of money uh, paying other companies to do it for me and nothing happened. But when I uh, you know, t- took action on the situation, on my own situation myself, uh, there, there were so many things that these companies won't do that you could do for yourself just because it is kind of a pain, uh, but you can get it done. Uh, remove debt, remove collections. I got my score from a 490 to a 750 or 770 in six months. Amazing. Yeah. Part of that, you know, part of that debt I did pay off and I kept those accounts in good standing. Uh, I kept a good relationship with those banks, but some banks and some, uh, uh, some collectors the relationship was they're already screwed, and I was at the point where I just had to get remove, get those collections invalidated, removed, uh, and get my get my credit score up. So some banks, I can't <clears throat> I can't bank with anymore, but you know it's not it's not a big deal because I kept the good banks like Chase, Amex, Wells Fargo. I kept those those relationships uh, in good standing, um, and and I also learned that you know moving debt that you can't pay to banks that you're okay with losing relationship with. Uh, is very important because right now I make a lot of money with uh, with the relationship I have with Amex and Chase and Wells Fargo for you know for my uh, for the ecom for the real estate businesses you know I'm not using like whenever I start a business now like no matter how much cash I have I'm using the bank's money because you know at the end of the six months when I got out of debt I learned credit repair uh, I had this income coming in I had a sales skill um, at the end of the six months you know. The most important thing above the income that I had, above the sales skill that I had, I learned how freaking powerful credit is. And I learned how powerful it is. It could be in a negative way. I already, already learned that lesson. Um, but I learned how powerful it is in a positive way. So now, a couple, fast forward a couple of years, I've learned a lot more. I've been, you know, anytime I got any money, I started just you know, putting that money towards education, uh, learning how credit worked in terms of business, how to leverage it for cash flow. And anytime I start a business, anytime I do an investment, I'm using the bank's money. And more importantly, if it's an investment that's like maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars, uh, not, not like millions, I'm not paying interest. I'm not paying the banks a single fee at all. I can go to the bank right now and get $100,000 without paying them a single dollar of interest, a single fee. And that's because you have a good credit score? No, that's one part of it. Uh, the, the main part of it is I understand exactly, uh, or, or I have a very good understanding of how underwriting works, how I can get the most capital, 
how I can get the best 0% um, 0% interest rates, and more importantly, how I can turn those credit lines into cash. Because you can get a loan, but you know, generally with a credit card, you can't turn it to cash unless you do a cash advance at 26%, pay $26,000 on a hundred grand to borrow for 12 months. That's right? insane, yeah. So I can go to the bank and I can you know, take out some cash, do a couple of maneuvers, and uh, have a hundred grand in cash right here on the table without paying a single dollar of interest and use it for a business that'll produce me 150K, give that money back to the bank, you know, <laughs> they've, they've, they've lost money on, on, uh, on um, what's called uh, inflation, you know, but I've made money on, uh, on their money. So why do you think that that right there, just that simple fact, so few people utilize or know about? Um, it's, it's, the only the only way you can get this information is literally by just trial and error, trial and error. And I think me getting into such a shitty situation, um, I started, you know, one, I started with credit repair. So I started learning how these banks can really screw people. So now when I started learning about credit and how I can use it in a positive way, I knew all the things I could get screwed on. So now I'm taking a lot less risk in that in those particular directions. Uh, and, and on top of that, it was my only focus mm. every day, four hours on credit. I started realizing how powerful it is. And I see, I started seeing people use it in a positive way. And, uh, you know, on top of the credit repair, I started putting more effort into learning how I can leverage it for business and for money and to stop selling my time for cash and instead use the bank's money, um, for, for producing income. You know, after I, after I was going to a bunch of events and I started kind of hearing this here and there, uh, and I saw people, uh, I was going to a lot of real estate events and those guys were telling me like, Hey, I'm using, you know, I'm using the bank's money. I'm paying percent, I'm paying a percent, but I'm, you know, getting this, uh, getting this positive cash flow from these deals. And I'm like, Oh, that's, you know, that's pretty cool. So I started putting time into learning credit. And after about a year, after, you know, about a year after I got out of debt and I was already doing pretty good with my job, I did about... I was, I was, so I was like doing 150K a year with that job, just hustling. I was like, I was killing it, man. It, probably like 60 to 80 hours a week in that job, just, just cr crushing it. Grinding. But I was, I was like, dude, I can't do this forever. Yeah. Um, so eventually, uh, you know, after I started kind of testing, uh, testing the waters with leveraging credit for e-commerce real estate deals, uh, just funding projects or partnering, partnering up with people, uh, fund, funding their deals, uh, I started making more money just leveraging my credit than I was doing at my sales job. And I wasn't, I wasn't spending nearly as many hours doing those deals, those funding deals and those partnership deals that I was just leveraging my, uh, my understanding of credit for. So, so you're doing education now and you teach and train and do all these things on this, on these topics. What were some of the most important resources that you found that kind of gave you the edge in learning about this stuff? Uh, Google was my best friend for a long time, but there's also a lot of misinformation that you'll find on there. You know, there's a bunch of blogs that people write that are maybe just starting out or like they've been in the game for a little bit, but you know, they, 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 they don't fully understand, uh, the entire process. Maybe they understand like the, the overall, just like the basics. Uh, but once you, once you start taking that and then trying to do something, uh, advanced with it then then stuff begins to go wrong and then you know you you get into this situation where the banks uh can easily screw you um the the, the banks 
are very smart in a way where, you know, they have, they have this very, uh, very shady, so to speak, system. Um, it's like a, it's like a funnel uh, for, for screwing the majority of the people. Uh, you go through school, you go through college, you don't learn about credit, you come out, okay, you come out of school, for example, high school, uh, and then you're, you're easily given a bunch of student loans, which you don't know really how, how they work or how they can screw you in the long run or how to get out of them because, you know, these, the, this, uh, these loans you're getting for school uh, is not going to produce a positive ROI uh, for the majority of people. They're not going to get a job right out of college. that's going to pay nearly enough. Um, and then, you know, and then all of a sudden you're getting credit cards, you're getting all these bonuses. It sounds so amazing because you think you're going to get free travel and you're going to get all these points and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, what happens after is, uh, you know, you start using these things, your, uh, your bonuses and your 0% interest, interest runs out. Uh, you don't know how to uh, manage all those things. And then, and then the banks, oh, you know, hey, we're going to raise the interest on you. Hey, we're going to give you a little late payment here. You know, we didn't, you don't know how to manage your, uh, your accounts correctly. Uh, and all of a sudden you're, you're in debt, uh, just a little bit paying interest to these banks. All of a sudden you're in an okay amount of debt, but you think you can manage, you know, cause you got your education coming. Hey, you know, you got your student loans to pay for the education. Uh, and all those things start piling up to the point where most people keep really can't handle it. They're trying to use this money to start things that they know. Uh, or that they think is going to produce an income where it doesn't, and then one little mess up turns into like a snowball effect, and then all of a sudden you're just stuck in a bunch of debt. Like it's like quicksand. Yeah, like like I have I have hundreds and hundreds of students uh, that I've talked to one on one with, and I know like seventy percent of them are stuck in a bunch of student loans that they're paying higher and higher interest on. That did not produce a positive ROI from them for them. They didn't get a, they didn't get a job. They they didn't it didn't help their business. It's just mm. it's just it's just a big scam. It, it must yeah. be. Tell me if I'm just being a little ignorant here, but it seems like as long as you make the minimum payment on your credit card, you're good for the most part. Not at all. As they, long as you pay off your let me start over. As long as you pay off your credit card, every like for me with my credit cards, I pay off my credit cards every month. It's just part of me. I don't Good. look at it as an extension of money. I look at it as a liability and I try every single month I have it put in my calendar, pay your credit card, right? It's just become second nature to me. As long as you do that, you're straight. The reason they suggest uh, minimum payments um, and, and that particular minimum payment that they send you is so that they can make the most money off of you on interest while minimizing risk uh, to to get the full uh, borrowed credit back. That's that's their uh, process. They're minimizing risk. They want to make sure you get the full amount back, but they're also maximizing maximizing the profits they can make off of the interest and fees they charge you. Got it. So basically, the minimum payment is is just kind of something to get you to kind of fall into the trap of. It's kind of like a trap. Yeah, yeah. Your your cards you can max them out uh, every month. You could. Uh, as long as you pay them down before, uh, before your due date. And there's two dates. There's a payment due date and there's a closing date. Okay. A lot of people mess this up because they pay before the closing date. But they have a payment due date and a lot of the times they're going to report what's, uh, what's been paid before the due date. So people think, oh, okay, yeah, my closing date is on the 13th. 
but the payment due date is always three days before the closing date. And they're like, oh, you know, why did my score drop and I have 100% utilization on this account and I paid it off? Well, because you should have been, you should have been paying before the payment due date. Because it takes a few days to clear typically, yeah. right? And that's just one example of how they can screw you, man. You know, it's just one example. Another example is, hey, they can raise the interest rate on you without, you know, really sending you any notification or even if they do, it's, you're not going to see it. So that's the second major one. Is there a third major one there? Dude, there's there's so, there's so many there's so many because they can like hey all all of a sudden they're not reporting your positive payments the second you make a late payment bam your score drops thirty points interesting wow yeah so this is this is how this is a very good education to a lot of people right now just just to understand these these gifts of credit cards, right? I love my credit card and you know, I love my points and yeah. because I pay my credit card off every month, I use Chase as well. I have the, um, actually how, how about this? As we transition our second half of this podcast yeah, yeah. into learning more about how you have 45, 50 credit cards staring in front of me, I'm just gonna do a quick vet of the credit cards I have in my wallet and just see what you think. Let's so I have right now, the two main ones I use is the Chase Freedom Unlimited. Yeah. There was a, uh, a year deal where you got one and a half times more points for a year. Yeah. And then afterwards it goes back. And then I have the Chase Sapphire Reserve. So I like this because I could transfer the points from here into this, uh, the, the reserve points, and I would get as if they were all reserve points so you can make more money there. Right. Are these, yeah. Do you recommend these guys? Yeah, man. Chase is great. Um, a lot of people can't get them. I, I can't get them anymore because there's a 524 rule. If you have five or more credit accounts with any creditor, Chase will not give you any more uh, Chase cards. So it's very important to focus on getting Chase cards at the beginning of your journey. Or if you haven't uh, got approved for anything in like the last 24 months, uh, go for Chase cards. The reserve is like an overall, um, overall probably the best card to get uh, in addition to the Amex Platinum. Yeah, and they got that one-year WeWork deal. Or is that the business one? No. Yeah, WeWork's out. Oh, okay. yeah. there it is. Yeah, but but there's a, there's a lot of other ways. So like um, that's a credit card and Amex Platinum is a charge card. So there's no credit line, but there's a spending limit. And that spending limit, for example, if you use it for an e-com business, uh, you, can, you can scale that thing up way past whatever any credit card can give you. Uh, a good example is like the Amex Platinum could give you a $20,000 uh, spending limit. And in 12 months, you can scale it up to a couple hundred thousand dollars. With a credit card, probably not going to be able to do it. Okay, so you must have some pretty intense tracking system on all these cards. How do you track when you need to make the payments on these things? Do you have it all outlined in the giant Google Sheets and it's all automated? Like, t talk to me about how you have all these cards and why do you have all those cards? And just, let's, yeah, yeah. let's talk about all these freaking stacks of, it's like Christmas over here of credit cards. Yeah, I got these stacks of cards, but I only use a couple on a daily basis. Um, the reason why I get these cards, and there's a couple, uh, one, of course, I get the points. You know, I get, I get the sign-up bonuses, and there's, um, there's methods to get the sign-up bonuses and all these points without spending a single dollar. So you don't have to go and spend 5,000 bucks for meeting the, uh, you know, reserve bonus. Do you use the other cards to do that? Is that the whole idea? No. No. Because I, I also heard once that you can buy gift cards through these and then use yeah, gift cards. If, if you're listening to this, don't buy gift cards for manufacturer spending. <laughs> it's called like to get points and to, get, to meet bonuses uh, without spending, without actually spending. It's called manufactured spending. 
um, your, you know, your gift cards was one old method that is, is out now is very risky. There's just no point of doing it at all. Uh, you're basically buying gift cards, you're recycling and recycling it for cash, and then you're paying off your credit cards. And then of course you, it looks like you're spending money. So you get the bonuses and the points and whatever. Uh, but they, they have they have particular codes and particular amounts that uh, they flag in the in their internal systems that they know you're doing that stuff, and so they're gonna shut your accounts down. You're gonna lose a relationship, and it's just not worth it. Right. Uh, there's a lot of other safer methods, a lot of higher volume methods uh, that that like. So so I have, I have hundreds of students. So we pretty much have like a big mastermind of testing, tracking, new methods, safer methods. So in terms of some of these methods, I know obviously, you know, you, you stick to this to people inside of your courses and all that, but can you give us an example? Like how, I mean, that, that's kind of like a, like a, like a badass claim to say, right. You get these points without spending a dollar. Well, that sounds pretty dope. Like word, right? Yeah, yeah. What else can you talk about on that subject? Um, the specific methods, obviously just, just can't share because, um, if too many people find out about it, mm-hmm. then they're gonna stop working. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, but something like something that I uh, that I really focus on on, like the absolute best method to get a shitload of points, millions of points, um, is to start. For example, like one of my business partners, he uh, he runs Amazon Automation, so he starts an Amazon business. Um, he charges like twenty five k. And then you fund the products. They do all the research. They, they, they do everything in terms of the Amazon business. All you do is fund the store. So when you understand how to leverage credit correctly, where you can borrow money w- uh, from the bank without paying any interest, and you know how to scale your credit lines, uh, then you can just go start an Amazon store with, uh, with uh, one of my business partners. Uh, one, you're making like, I think it's like a 10%, uh, 10% uh, ROI on your sales. Uh, but more importantly, in terms of the uh, uh, credit points, you're, you're making a shitload of points on your spending because you're buying products and then you're selling them for a profit on Amazon, right? Got so, it. so I wouldn't say that's manufactured spending. It's just, it's just a really good way uh, when you understand how to leverage your credit to get not only a little bit of an income, uh, but a shitload of points. So it's like you're... Borrowing money from a bank at zero interest using strategy number one, then using strategy number two to start these Amazon stores, using those Amazon stores to then buy the product. So say you're selling fidget spinners, which everyone was doing back in the day, and you buy, you know, 10,000 fidget spinners from some distributor in the Ukraine or wherever you get it from. Right. And then you then use drop shipping through or maybe not drop shipping or through the Amazon store. Anytime someone buys from that store, you then sell that product. So you're making money. Um, paying back what you would have spent, but you also got the points. Exactly. And this is like a very safe way to get millions of points. And like some, and a typical business will spend their points on, you know, printers and printer paper and office supplies. Really, it's just um, those, those typical business expenses. That's what majority of people are currently using it on. And that's what credit cards are banking on you using it on. Right. Interesting. The, um, here's, here's something very cool uh, that, like 99.999% of people won't know. Uh, while I'm getting all these points and scaling my credit lines, the main focus of credit for me now is to produce cash flow. Use the bank's money to produce cash flow, whether it's in the Amazon business. Uh, for me, it's going to be the main focus is going to be multifamily real estate. 
I'm scaling my corporate credit lines um, uh, up, up to millions and millions. But with personal credit, you're kind of limited uh, to how much you can scale it and what you can use. With business, you can go and get a couple million bucks at like 6%. Uh, and with personal, I can go and get a couple hundred thousand dollars at completely free. No, 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 no interest at all. Uh, but of course, I can't go buy a, you know, 60 unit multifamily deal with a couple hundred thousand dollars. Right. I can go to the bank and, you know, uh, you know, scale up my corporate credit lines, go and get four to six percent on a on a credit line for a multifamily deal, which is even easier than going and getting it for like a four unit deal. Um, and then go and using that produ- to produce cash flow, right? Mm. So that's that's my main focus with uh, credit for business. Uh, but but that cool thing that I was uh, that I was about to say is all the free flights, all the all the free hotels, I'm not using credit for. I'm not using credit for uh, at all uh, for the flights. You mean only points? No, I'm not using points. I'm not using credit. I'm not using points. Um, you could, uh, like, like for example, for the flights, I'll use points and credit maybe 5% of the time. And then for the hotels, uh, I'll give you a good example. So I stayed in the Ritz-Carlton since 2019, since January of 2019. Uh, I've stayed 70, I think like 72 nights in the Ritz-Carlton. And I paid, I paid close to close to nothing, um, because without credit, there's a couple of methods. Without credit, without points, uh, you can get about seventy percent discount on on the hotel. So the Ritz Carlton in LA would be like six fifty a night. I'll get it for about one seventy a night. And then if you implement points and credit into the equation, then I can take it from one seventy down to zero. Most people, when they get points, they'll spend 60,000 points on staying at the Ritz-Carlton for, for one night. For $700, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to spend about 17,000 points, stay in the same hotel, but not only that, I'm going to go get a suite. For A suite would be like 150,000 points for, for you know anybody just using points. Uh, I'm going to spend 17,000 points. Uh, I'm going to go to the Ritz. Uh, and I'm going to get a suite. Is that because you're maximizing the Ritz loyalty program? Yeah. So, so uh, you know, using using all those three things, the non-credit methods and the credit methods, the credit methods, uh, um, you know, when, when you get the points. Uh, but additionally, uh, starting January, the non-credit methods, you can go and still maximize the loyalty program and get statuses that would that wasn't the case uh a couple of years back this is like it, it only started getting really good uh january of this year so now it's taking another element of hitting these bonuses but also hitting the bonuses on these like the hilton rewards or ritz carlton rewards and yeah. you're somehow able to do those in cohesion with each other? Yeah, but I mean, getting the bonuses and, and the statuses um, are very easy to do. It's it, just not a high requirement. Is that why? All the, like, the requirement to get the statuses now, you can do without credit. You just, know? just because it's a lot. Like, what do you mean? Like, you would still have to spend 10 grand in hotels to get that, right? 
Um, not anymore. So like, uh, so like to get platinum status, all you got to do is stay uh, 15 nights. There's something called a platinum status challenge that you can get simply by staying 15 nights. And these 15 nights uh, before wouldn't count uh, towards your status uh, when you're using the non-credit travel hacks. But now starting January, they do. So now you can, you know, you can go and get a 70% discount with the non-travel hacking methods and still that'll count towards your status. So when you go and stay in a hotel uh, for 70% off, like at the Ritz-Carlton, I'm going to have status because those nights that I stayed with the uh, 70% discount non-credit travel hacks count towards those 15 nights. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but now that I'm getting 70% off uh, the hotel, I can, I can take points, bring them into the equation and bring it down to zero. Interesting. Yeah, so I'm assuming those, those non-credit travel hacks are exactly what you teach in your courses. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's a very good pitch, bro. Thank that's you. A, that's <laughs> I appreciate it. For everyone listening, that's like, oh, I'm, I'm taking my credit card, man. Like, it was good. Yeah, I mean, like this, uh, you know, the, the program I have, um, it's open literally like only a couple times a year. And it's going to stay that way because like I said previously, if too many people find out about it, it's going to stop working for, for everybody. Did you create this culture inside this niche of people that do this and they're travel hackers? And does everyone help each other out and work together? No. Or is it a really shady kind of smaller deal? No, it's not. It's not. Everything's legal, by the way. Like it's not, um, you know, so, some travel hacks are against company policies, but they're not illegal yeah. by, by any means. We're just kind of, uh, you know, we're just kind of finding opportunity within, uh, you know, within these companies, within the travel rewards programs and taking advantage of them. And sometimes they, you know, they stop working they, they close those loopholes um, and we find new ones. Yeah, that's, that's you know? the nature of entrepreneurship right there, baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but that's like the, the real main focus is to leverage credit correctly for a business because that's the main thing that got me into the shitty situation that I was in, but it's also the same thing that got me to, you know, where I am today where, you know, I'm making more money leveraging my credit for real estate and e-com deals without selling my time at the sales job. So that's, that's really the main thing. Uh, you know, you can learn travel hacks and travel for free. That's awesome, but that should be secondary to understanding credit and leveraging it for a business and to invest into, you know, getting cash flows without you having to sell your time. Interesting. So if you could leave maybe a few tips for somebody that is looking to uh, get into travel hacking on a very small basis, what are something that someone can do today that might be an intermediate uh, beginner level hack that anyone can yeah. take with them today? Um, the best thing that somebody can just probably do just like literally today is go to the website called uh, uscreditcardguide.com. Read through the whole thing. It's basically a um, it's basically a website that lists every single uh, personal and business credit card out there, and every single offer that they have uh, when you go uh, apply and get approved for one. So I started with uh, with credit cards in the travel hacking space. That that you know I, I learned the the travel rewards program, how to maximize points, uh, how to get statuses, um, how to apply for credit cards correctly. Uh, you know, how to, how to minimize, uh, how to maximize my potential for getting approved more credit cards. So that's like literally if someone goes and spends four hours just reading that site, they'll see the potential of, uh, 
understanding how to apply correctly for credit cards, how to get uh, approved, maximizing points, and how they could use those points for free flights, free hotels. Uh, because if you know if somebody's uh, the the average person isn't taking 140 flights a year like I am, and for 140 flights you need to go and uh, uh, learn the non-credit stuff too. Yeah, there's a whole world of non-credit travel hacks out there too. Um, but that's a that's a really good way to start. But uh, you know, on top of that, if they go to my Instagram, like you know, you see all my stuff is about uh, credit and travel hacking. And I go live every single week, and I, you know, I give out a bunch of free stuff too. So there's a lot of people that do travel hacking and uh, credit-related stuff literally just by following my Instagram stories. So what about, um, you know, with available credit, that's one of the six things that show up on a credit report when you check your credit. Available credit is a sign that you are a, you know, a good spender because you're not spending all your money. Is having a ton of credit cards, 45 credit cards, say that racks up your available credit? Is that one of the big positives to managing credit really well? Like, do you want to have as much available credit as possible? Managing it, no. Uh, but in terms of getting approved with other creditors, uh, if they see that you have a lot of accounts in good standing, that you were able to manage a $20,000 credit line without having any defaults, without having uh, you know any kind of uh, negative remarks, they'll be... Uh, they'll be, uh, they'll feel very safe giving you a similar amount of credit that you can use <clears throat> because they know you've been responsible previously with many other accounts. Um, a good, um, a good example of this is like, if I go to you and I ask you for $10,000 and you know that I've never borrowed $10,000 before and you would be, uh, you would feel that it's a very high risk to give me $10,000 because you don't know if I'm going to pay it back or not. And the only collateral you have is to ruin my credit score if I don't pay it back, right? Some people don't give a shit, right? So uh, on, the, on the other hand, if I go to you and ask for $10,000 and you know that I've borrowed ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 from 100 people and I've always paid it back, you're going to know there's a very small chance that I'm not going to pay this money back and you're going to make a profit off of me. Mm. So, so when a lot of people say, isn't it bad to have a hundred credit cards, go, go to that example, right? Right. The, the only reason it could be bad to have a lot of available credit, uh, would be when you're applying for more with a specific creditor. So like Chase is generally not going to give more than a hundred thousand dollars, uh, to one, one, um, one person. Yeah. So in that case, yeah, for Chase, if you want to get more than a hundred thousand dollars, uh, you, and you already have a lot, they're probably not going to give you more because that's a risk now to them if you go and just max out everything and just dip out. Yeah. Now that's a risk to them. Now, but then if you, if you need more, you obviously just go and take the personal credit. I always say this. Um, I always say it's very important if you want to start a business. Uh, scale up the personal credit, scale up the personal credit, and then use it to quick start your business credit because when you go and apply for business credit, they're, they're looking at your personal credit to see what kind of credit lines they should be giving you on the business side. Most people go and start doing personal and business at the same time and they're going to be getting tiny credit lines on the business side, which, you know, you if you're starting a business, you can't do anything with $1,000, right? Whereas if you go and scale up the personal credit, you have 10, 20, $30,000 credit lines on the personal side. You go to the business, you're immediately going to go and get 
massive or relatively big uh, credit lines on the business side where, you know, 0% offers are not very, uh, well, I mean, in U.S. they are, uh, but in most other countries they're not. And you want to maximize them. You don't want to get a 0% offer and get $1,000 because <clears throat> you're just wasting the no interest offer, right? You want to go and get a 50000 0% offer and use it for a real estate deal, an e-com deal, right? Mm. So that's why it's very important to go and scale up and establish the personal credit and then use it for uh, quick starting and scaling up the business credit. Uh, but more importantly than anything, uh, the reason I got into that $82,000 worth of credit card debt uh, is I did not follow this rule. And that rule is uh, do, not, do not buy anything with credit if it does not produce a cash flow, 99%. And I say 99% because you can never be 100% positive. It's just something that if you're going to use credit for something, you don't have any supplementary income to, to um, back it up as a safety net. And you want to make sure you don't get into the debt that I got into, which a lot of people will get into. Um, do not use credit for something that does not produce a cash flow. Very simple. At a 99% rate. So don't use credit to buy a car. That's what you're saying. Um, you can finance a car. Okay, you can finance a car, uh, but you should have supplementary income to, you know, to make sure, to make sure you're, you're able to pay it off. Uh, but yeah, just if someone's starting a business, if they're just starting out, I recommend don't, don't even use credit for a car. Cause that, that'll, that'll just, you know, I bought a Beamer for, and I was paying 400 bucks a month and I had no income coming in and that was just putting me under and under, under yeah. you know? Yeah. It's just sinking. What about inquiries? So like if you just go look for an apartment and someone does a credit check on you, you get an inquiry on your credit statement. And then they say that after you have five to seven inquiries, it's just like it it hinders your credit score. How much do they hinder your credit score? And what's the deal? Could you have 70 to 100 inquiries? Because you must have a sh like a shit ton of inquiries with that many credit cards. I got none. If I have four or five inquiries on my credit card state, uh, on my credit report, because either one, I opened up a new credit line and or I applied for an apartment building and they ran a credit check on me. What would be, number one, is that bad? And number two, how do you get rid of those? Yeah. Uh, so here's, here's a very important thing to know about inquiries. Uh, they stay on your credit report for two years, but they only affect you for six months. There's, there's very little effect uh, that they have after six months in terms of applications. Um, they could say on Credit Karma, yes, it's hurting your credit score. You got too many inquiries. It's in red. Uh, they're not really affecting your applications. So anytime I apply for credit cards, it's going to be every six months because I know after every application it's going to stop affecting me six months down the line. And now I can go and apply for a bunch of credit cards. Um, and I do it all in one day and I do it uh, in, in, on a mass scale. So I'll go and get 10 to 12 cards every single time I apply every six months. Right? Do you ever cancel credit cards? I never cancel credit cards, uh, particularly because you want to always keep good payment history. This, this goes back to um, having a good credit profile while creditors see that you have open, good standing accounts with good payment history and, uh, and um, uh, a high credit age as well. It's one of the factors. Um, whenever you close an account, you have seven years and then it's going to fall off and all the payment history and the age is going to come off your uh, credit report. That makes sense. When you look at somebody like the points guy, 
he makes and I believe he makes referral commissions off of pushing all these people to these different banks. Uh, number one, I don't know if they're funding him and they're sponsoring him, but what's the deal with that? And how do you know how that dude's making money? And two, it seems like this is something that's right up your ball game in order to do. Yeah, I mean, he um, uh, he does something similar to uh, what Credit Karma does. Um, and the entire business model is to make amazing content about the credit cards and then have a referral link for that particular credit card uh, for people to go and apply. And once they get approved with their referral link, uh, they make a commission. Okay, that's that simple. Simple as that. And then and then they run ads, obviously, on the... Do you do referral marketing to banks and stuff with all of your travel deal? No. Nah. My, 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 my whole main thing is, uh, you know, the, on the credit side, there's uh, income from the program itself. Um, and my long-term focus is to get my students to the level that I'm at. So later I can partner with them on deals so I can bring in funds together and pull, pull those together for, let's say a multifamily deal and then make cash flow together. So sort of taking the, the Grant Cardone business yeah, yeah, model yeah. and applying it to credit. Yeah, because if I can get a thousand people to get uh, get to the level uh, of knowledge that I have with credit, then I can just maximize all the deals that I'm doing in real estate and multifamily down the line. That's a good long play. It's it's yeah. looking into it. You're looking at the long term, not the short term. Yeah, exactly. So if you could go back in time and you could talk to uh, you know the Jan right out of college, right? He's right. eighty two thousand dollars in debt. He's at rock bottom. And you could have said one, two, or three things, maybe even before you went to school that would have saved you a ton of time, money, headache, or just heartache, and just basically some life principles. And it can't be, you know, I wouldn't have told myself anything because it made me who I am today. It's like, that's just a lame answer, but it is a good answer. Um, What are some of those things that you kind of wish you told yourself? And you're still a young guy, but, you know, just to give you that upper leg. So simple, man. I would have I, I would have understood that anybody that is not doing shit with their life, that doesn't have big goals or aspirations, or that's just like keeping me in a neutral state, should not be around me. And and most people look. I mean, they they don't really want to do anything extraordinary extraordinary with their life because most people are, you know, the that's that's the average population. Uh, but if somebody does want to make big moves, they want to be an entrepreneur. They want to get around people that are, you know, just making a real big impact. Um, that's that's all you gotta you gotta focus on is getting around those kind of people. You cannot be around anybody that is doing anything negative to to hinder your success or to hinder your momentum. Uh, whether it's family or close friends, you cannot have the excuse that hey, well this it's my brother, you know I can't do anything about it. You can't have the excuse that oh you know we grew up together. Just because you grew up together, that shouldn't be an excuse for you to not succeed. One person, one negative person in your life can really set you back years and years. My entire environment and most people's environment is absolute garbage. That's why they're not moving anywhere. Even if they have some aspirations or goals or energy to move forward, all those people around them are just going to are just going to you know bring that down, bring that down to uh, the average of of them. Right. That's saying like you are the average of the three or five people that you spend the most time with. Yeah, people. It's. I think it's said so much that people are like, ah, it's blah blah blah. It's just a saying, right? Right. But it's the truth. If you go and hang out with people that are making a uh, hundred thousand bucks a month, you're probably gonna start making a lot more money and eventually get up to their level. If that's the only thing you know and that's the only thing you're learning, that's where you're gonna get to. Or if you're gonna go and spend time around people that are making no money and just losing money, 
you're probably going to start losing money and making mistakes because that's the only thing you see. True. Right? So, you know, that, 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 that's it. Like, spend your time and money and energy on proximity to people you want to be like. People, people that are going to help you get ahead, uh, you know, preferably that are ahead of you. Because if they're ahead of you, that you got, you got places to be and they're going to push you forward. You know, everybody in this house is pushing me forward to, you know, doing better in business, doing better in health, you know, any, 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 any aspect of business and life. Uh, everybody in my environment is helping me move forward and I'm doing the same for them. You only have so many hours in every day and you're only talking to so many people. So, I mean, that statement is the most powerful. So who are you talking to? Who am I talking to? Yeah. Dude, I'm talking to... I'm talking to everybody. I was just saying, who are you talking to? And generically, but <laughs> since we're on that topic, you definitely have a good squad. Yeah, but I'm I'm talking to everybody, man. I'm talking I'm talking to the uh, to the ten year old in their in their you know family's house. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they're in a bad household. Maybe they're in a really good household and they got everything they need. But they need to understand that once they become older, they're not gonna have that. They're not gonna be supported, and the only you know, li- living, uh, having everything given to them is the worst curse you could possibly have. Yeah, can't be, can't be on the feel sorry for yourself train. Hundred percent. And if you and if you're in a shitty place, just understand nothing's gonna change when you have that same environment. You like you gotta get out. Doesn't matter if it's family. Doesn't matter if you're 50 years old. It's the same thing. And you're building that story, man. The story is everything. What's so great about you, well, something I personally really like about you, number one, I think you're a really genuine human. And I think it's tough when you find genuine people when dealing with this type of business because I feel like it's kind of a slimy or overall business. There's so much information out there, creditors in general. You know, you talk about these people out there, these sharks that are buying credit and they're out there just to flip it and, and they're calling you and the collectors and stuff like that. Yeah. You're just a really genuine, nice human that figure this stuff out, that wants to share, that's putting good stuff into the world. You've been through the gauntlet of life. You've been through the ups and downs. I mean, you're a really young guy. You're 25 years old, but you know, you got, you got gray beards going on because you're a wise Gandalf. So I think this is really cool. And I think that the the audience can learn a lot from you. Um, How can people continue to follow your journey and how can people uh, check you out on social media if they want to learn more from here? Yeah, man. uh, uh, And I appreciate that, by the way. Uh, I think it's very important for, you know, somebody that's going out and teaching other people like they, whatever they're teaching, they, they should have gone through it or they do it. That's, that's why I think school and college is like the biggest sham ever, man. How could you be learning from somebody that, that's teaching you and they're not doing the same business? The biggest real, realization I had in school uh, was when my finance professor was teaching me how to invest in real estate property and how to get money from the banks. And I'm like, so, so how do you do this on a daily basis? And they say, oh, I've never done this before. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, is this, is she joking? Yeah. No, just, no. that's how it is. Uh, but the best, the, the best ways to reach out to me uh, is going to be Instagram. Um, that's where I make all the, all the credit and travel hacking content. That's why I post daily. I haven't missed a story post in a year and a half now. Nice. I've, I've, I've made content every single day, every single day. Um, and, and I did that because I, like, I know, uh, you know, every single day I get positive feedback about, you know, people that just follow me, that just see my stuff or, or my students uh, in my inner circle. Uh, just very positive and uh, impactful uh, feedback. But it just, you know, you know, either I'm motivating them or I'm helping out with credit or travel hacking. 
uh, just, you know, just very positive feedback. Uh, the Instagram is at Jan Um, I guess we'll, you know, maybe we'll put it somewhere, but it's, uh, at Y A N S T A V I S S K I. Uh, maybe soon it'll be updated to something more simple. Uh, but in the meantime, I guess, you know, we'll tag it somewhere, uh, somewhere below. And then, um, the other best way is, uh, you know, if you, if you want to see some more crazy stuff is TikTok. Uh, I started that about two months ago. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I started two months ago and I hit 400,000 followers on TikTok uh, just last night. So, and, and that's another, that's another huge, um, um, huge, uh, what's it called? Platform. It's a huge platform, but what I'm trying to say is if you're not on TikTok, you're missing out on a lot of very potential exposure for your brand or your business or your message or whatever. Because that's like, like Gary Vee says, uh, you know, that's like Instagram 2011. Dude, I started two months, like what platform can you start two months gain almost half a million followers? Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty absurd. Fantastic, yeah. man. Well, I know there's a lot more I can learn from you and there's a lot more that, you know, we can pick your brain on. We could talk for for hours. So look, looking forward to inviting you to the next dinner party, connecting you with amazing people. And uh, with that said, I think we're all good, man. Thanks so much for having coming on the awesome, show. Awesome, brother. I appreciate you. Till next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.